0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. So, we have a great show planned for you today. I have a special guest that's going to be joining me. I'm going to introduce him in a minute. But, first and foremost, what did we hear this week? Toronto is the world class leader of doing something poorly. That's right. Right now, the facts are out, and what we know right now in today's market, the rent ratio to what you pay for a property is the worst in the world. Now, I didn't say in Canada. I did not say in North America. We have the worst ratio in Toronto in the world when we look at rent versus what we are paying for a property. So just think of it this way. If you buy something for four hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 and you get $1,500 a month rent, you are massively negative cash flow. But where did this all stem from? You know, it just didn't happen overnight. We have seen Toronto prices going up for the last 10 years quite consistently, but the rent has not. And where this all stems from, and I know we may have some people that will disagree with me, but when I analyzed it, I looked back all the way to the late 1980s when we had that wonderful gentleman by the name of Premier Bob Ray running the province and running at us with what they call rent control. As soon as rent control gets introduced into a marketplace, what this does is it stagnates apartment owners. So apartment owners can no longer increase rents on what they believe is market. They're told you're allowed to increase your rent by what the province mandates once a year. So, when that happens, you've got your you're handcuffed. If you can only raise your rent by 1%, but the costs go up by 3 or 4 you as a landlord start to lose. And this stems back almost 30 years. Now, when we take a look at it today, let's move it forward. When we have builders competing for rents, so when somebody is buying a brand new property, they can't just arbitrarily come up with a number and say, well, they're going to pay this. They're gonna pay two or three thousand dollars a month rent. When around the corner that rent has been limited for years to twelve or thirteen hundred dollars per month. So they still have to use that as a gauge and move up from there. So will rents always stay down in Toronto? It's gonna to take years for them to recover. Actually, to a point where people will get positive income from some of the more expensive real estate. And again, I think we can trace it all the way back to the late 1980s. So that makes Toronto one of the worst, in fact, the number one worst rent to purchase ratio, even ahead of cities like New York and Paris. So not really good for us, but this is one of the reasons why we talk about investment real estate so much here, and trying to analyze where do you get positive cash flow. We'll talk about that later in the hour. But now, I want to introduce my guest, Mr. Timothy Brown, president of Roy Corporation. Tim is an author, motivational speaker. He is a broker. His brokerage is one of the top brokerages in Canada for the selling of medical professions. So, Tim, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Great to be here, Todd. You know, one of the things that, you know, I I have joked in the past is that if I turn around and actually put your actual resume on your business card, we'd have to get something uh, like a massive piece of Bristol board. You know, you've, you've got, you're quite accomplished. You know, you're the author of several books. Uh, You've been able to be a motivational speaker for years to, you know, different professionals in business, teaching them about their businesses. Tim, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a background on yourself.
1: Well, our business, Roy ROI Corporation, basically we help healthcare professionals, particularly dentists, veterinarians, and optometrists, to know the value of their practice. They're self-employed business people. Many of them own the real estate that their business is located in. And at certain times of their career, they need to know what it's worth. So they engage us for a business appraisal. That's our core business. And then from there, some of them say, you know, I'm ready to go. I have my reasons. I'm ready to sell let the next generation take over. And at that point, being a broker of record and my firm is licensed, we take their listing and we help them exit with dignity.
0: Excellent. So, Tim, one of the things that I, you know, as bring you on as a guest, you know, I want to be able to let our listeners know a lot, obviously, if they are, you know, self-employed and running their own businesses. This hour, folks, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, how to get your business ready. Do you sell if you own your actual real estate with your company? Do you sell it? Do you keep it? We're going to talk a lot with Tim in depth about what you should do to get ready to sell your business and who's going to make the best buyer of your business. Now, Tim, you know, I mentioned that you are also an author. Your book is called Profitable Practice, and I believe there's several editions out both in Canada and the U.S. Is that correct?
1: Yes, there is. It's uh, now in sixth edition printing here in Canada. There's 5,000 copies out there. Apparently in Canada, if you can sell 1,000 books, you're a bestseller, but I don't really count that. Uh, it's a book designed its its business ownership 101 it's the simple rules of understanding a business, starting it, taking it through its stages, and then eventually getting it ready to
0: exit. You know, one of the things that I don't know if a lot of our listeners are aware of is the fact that there are so many business owners in Canada. In fact, you know, if we take a look at it, there's probably over a million people that either own their own small business, medium business, obviously large businesses, but there's a lot of them out there, but not necessarily furnished with the necessary information to actually analyze their own businesses. Most small business owners go to work
1: every day and we get stuck in the day-to-day routine of running our business, dealing with customers, hiring staff, training staff, maybe letting staff go, dealing with landlords if we have to rent suppliers. That's what all business owners are doing right now across Canada, is going through the day-to-day process. Most of us know that somewhere on the horizon, we're all going to retire and we're all going to sell our business eventually if we own a business. But many people put that way out into the future and don't stop and think. What if something happened today and I did have
0: to sell the business? Well, you know, I think I think if we take a look at the personality type, most people keep blinders on, and of course they're invincible. When people are out running their own business, they never think of something going wrong. And you know, you you express that where you know people just they're not focused on the what ifs of the world. And folks, if you if you remember listening to me uh, quite a bit here on the show, I always talk about the what ifs. Life happens, and if you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to Simply Real Estate, and my guest is Timothy Brown. Uh, he's president of Roy Corporation as well, author, motivational speaker. We're talking about business. We're going to talk the entire show about selling and preparing both your business and your real estate uh, to be sold. And one thing is also I didn't recognize is the fact that Timothy's actually quite a real estate investor. Uh, Tim, I know you own multiple properties, all sorts of different markets. Of course, this is a very positive thing for you and your family. Sure. I believe in generational
1: wealth, and real estate is certainly the best proven model for that. Fortunes have been built on on real estate, and it's a long-term hold. I have three grandchildren now, and I've been acquiring real estate for
0: years. You're helping me with some of that, and we just buy, hold, and wait yeah, it's a perfect it's a perfect way of looking at it. So, Tim, if we're going to start off and really, you know delve into somebody selling their business and and that with real estate, you know, is it better that some of these investors um, who own the actual real estate that their office is in or perhaps they're running their business out of, do they sell just their business or do they sell the real estate with it? What is the best plan for them? I think it's
1: dependent on the individual, but let me just give a couple examples of clients that I've worked with. So one of our clients very recently owns a fabulous property. He bought it many years ago. He has maintained it impeccably well because his business resides in this property. And when he was coming to sell the business, he decided that this real estate gives me long-term income potential from the rent. I trust the tenant of the business because it's my business. I just sold to someone and it's always been able to pay the rent. So I'm happy to hang on to this property because I believe it's a good long-term real estate play. It's in a growth area, slow but steady growth for the last 10 to 15 years. Looks like that's going to happen for the foreseeable future. And it's something for him to do. He says, I look forward to firing up the snowblower in the winter and going and doing the lot. And my wife wants to plant some flowers. She's been doing that every spring for 20 years. So it's a the real estate ownership, once the business has been sold... Is a hobby business for many business owners. And if it looks like a good, secure real estate investment, why not hang
0: on to it and collect the rent? You know, it makes a lot of sense. Not everybody's prepared to be a landlord. And as you know, some business owners will hire a property management to take care of their own you know, real estate, but sure. at the same time, it still makes a lot of sense to keep the ownership, keep the mortgage pay down. As we, as we've expressed, you know, numerous, numerous times, you always have the ability to refinance, pull some money out. You know, that's a tax-free situation where you can take out the, the actual re, you know, the refinancing uh, of it. But yet, you have the ability of doing multiple things with a property once you do have that ownership. Now, let's talk about your basic business model when people are looking at potentially getting ready. When is the best time to sell somebody's business? Is there a specific
1: time out there? There's three key reasons that anybody will consider the sale of their business. The first is that they're just not well. Quite often, health will get in the way. They're unable to attend to the business the way they used to, and they just don't have the time, the energy, or if their health is severe, they just can't do it anymore. So about a third of the customers that we deal with and about a third of people that take a business to market in any market across this nation, any type of business, there's probably an underlying health reason there. could be serious, it could be minor, but they just are saying, my health is more important than the stress of running a business. I want out of ownership right now. I may buy another business later. I may do something else. But right now, my health dictates I don't want to be a business owner and I don't want the stress. So that's the first reason. Sure. And then if we're taking a look at the second reason... Basically, a lot of people will come along at any stage in their business career, and I uh, classify them as sick and tired, and they simply call us up and go, I don't like this anymore. This was my dream many years ago. I've loved it. Um, I I still enjoy certain parts of it, but I don't want to do this anymore. I want to try something else in my career. I have other ambitions. I have other interests. I have hobbies. Um, What I've been doing for 20 years, I don't want to continue in this path. And they just sell because they're sick and tired of the business. Maybe the regulations have changed, the industry has changed, the competitive landscape has changed. And I can tell you right now, the number one thing that keeps every business owner awake in Canada every night is human resources. Because we all have turnover, and turnover is hard on the business, customers get upset. So I would say a large majority of those that fall into the sick and tired of ownership cycle, you will find that human resources are a large part of that.
0: Okay. So folks, we're, uh, we're talking with Timothy Brown. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back though, we're going to talk more with Timothy Brown from Roy Corp as well. We're going to figure out when or who makes the best buyer of your business. So stay with us. I'm Todd C. Slater and we'll be right back with Simply Real Estate. Welcome back to News Talk 1010, Simply Real Estate. And I'm Todd C. Slater. Joining me here in the studio is Timothy Brown. He is president of Roy Corporation. Folks, we are talking about the business model, business owners thinking of selling their properties as well if they are owners of the actual building that they have their, proper, their, their businesses in. Tim, thanks, just before the break, we were talking about you know some different uh, aspects about you know, why and, and what motivates somebody to sell their business. And as we were just finishing up, is there a third reason for somebody to sell a
1: business? Sure, there is. Uh, We talked about people that are not well being sick. We talked about the people who don't want to do it anymore, sick and tired. But one of the best reasons, and one of the the reasons that is the most enjoyable for someone in my role is someone comes along and says, I've done very well. I've had a great career. I've loved this business. I still love it. But it's time for me to let the next generation take over. And I'm prepared to sell and perhaps retire or go part time. and, And just, it's time to go. I'm ready to go hiking and travel the world and spend time with my
0: grandkids. So, in other words, it's time to reap the reward. Sure. So... Okay, so let's jump into this then. You know, whenever we talk about real estate, you know, we can pretty much target the end user, who we need to attract. So if we look at your basic, you know, first time home buyer property, you know, we're looking for normally either the youth or people that are retiring because, you know, there's always that level of life. So it's that introduction property where people are just coming in for affordability. And then again, when people are retiring, you know, they want to put some money in their pocket after selling the larger home. Then when we take a look at, you know, properties that people want to live in as a family, you know. There's certain you know, aspects that people are looking for. When we talk about businesses, though, who makes the best buyer of a business? And, and I would imagine there's a few of them.
1: Well, there's four classifications of a buyer. Most small to medium-sized business owners will aspire towards their children or family members taking over the business. That's generally the Canadian dream. That the grandparents or the parents started the company many years ago. It's been successful. They've integrated children, nieces, cousins, relatives into the business. And the hope for the business owner, to a large extent, is that their children or family members will follow in their footsteps.
0: Now, you're you're kind of living example of that because uh, your your company has been uh, in business now 41 years. That's is that correct. correct? Yeah. And it was originally started by founder or um, your your father. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but. Again, looking at it, so not not all family members want to hop into the family business.
1: No, the family business in transition has a horrible success rate, and various reports from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and other authorities in this nation have reported that 7 out of 10 family businesses will not be transitioned or sold to the second or the next generation, and there's reasons for that. The primary reason is that the children don't want to follow in the parents' footsteps. Whatever the, cho- the parents or the grandparents decided to do with the business and what it is The kids are today saying, This isn't my dream, and I don't want to do this, and I don't want to be obligated to take over the family business. There's another reason why second generations don't take over the family business, which is they can't afford it. Some of these businesses in Canada, particularly when we get into the medium sized business, which, depending on who you speak to, that's revenues of one to two million or more a year, these businesses can become quite valuable. And the children simply can't raise the financing. There's great financing and great banking in Canada, but they can't get the money to buy the business from the parents unless the parent finances them, co-signs the loans, or brings them in as partners and slowly sells out to them five to ten years later. And what you'll hear from these parents when they're in private interviews is, I don't want to finance my kids. I want my money.
0: I want to go sit on the beach and not worry if they're going to make the loan payment next month. Sure. You know, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, I, if we flip it over to real estate, we see a lot of people now that the parents are actually helping kids with down payments because it's gotten out of reach. I would imagine the same applies to some of these businesses. You know, back in the day, businesses, when they started, they were, they were talking a few thousands or a hundred thousands, but now you're talking millions. So it's a lot more money for the would-be buyer coming in. But then I have one question for you. What or, or how is it possible that the seller of a business will maximize their sale price if they're trying to sell it for their kid to their kids? Does that happen, or is it better to bring in a third-party buyer? For maximizing sale price, a third-party arm's length buyer will probably
1: pay more. And there are different types of third-party buyers. But when it comes to the kids, or it comes to this generation, if you will, I'm 52 years of age, but there's a little bit of entitlement. And all people that work in a business for a period of time Um, who've contributed to the growth of the business or contributed to its success in some way, if the business comes for sale and they're given the opportunity to buy it, they quite frankly feel entitled to a discount or a deal. And if it's family, they pull on the heartstrings of the parents as well. Remember, parents also have an obligation to maximize the value of their estate. And if there's one or two children working in the business, but there's a family of four or five kids, those parents have a duty to try and extract the wealth of the business for the benefit of the entire family So it's hard for them to just give the young son or the daughter a deal to buy the company when the other kids aren't interested. They may accidentally be diluting the estate of the
0: entire family. So then you're going to have the siblings, of course, turn around and say, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm not getting the fair share. You know, this person got the business. And so you you probably have some issues and animosity, obviously, in family. Sibling rivalry, Todd. It can happen. (laughs) You know, and that's one of the things that we also find in real estate is that when somebody wants to sell the family home and if, you know, one one of the children ends up buying, you know, from the parents, they want a deal. But yet the other sibling sitting there saying, hang on, I went out and paid market value because I went and bought from another third party seller and I had to pay full freight. And then all of a sudden the other person and gets a deal. So part of that, I think we need to talk about is probably a little bit of estate planning because for some people, you know, as you said, it's got to be level and and equal all the way across. And is that achievable?
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's where the professionals that are presently advising the family business come in. Certainly all businesses uh, should have proper accounting advice. And many accountants have been through this with a multitude of their clients in the past is how to balance the equity of the business. And if it is to be transitioned to a family member, how to fairly respect the other siblings who are on the outside or will not be participating in the sale. Uh, there's also a lot of solicitors and lawyers who specialize in helping family businesses to structure this. There's an abundant, uh, abundance of advice from banks, Family Business in Transition, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. All someone need do is Google Family Business in Transition, and there's a multitude of resources. To be fair, the parents want to sell or the owners want to sell. Some of the children may want to buy or some family members may, but... The sensitivities in the family business and transition are very high. And quite frankly, there are huge failure rates and that's why seven out of 10
0: don't sell to the next generation. So now where do they go from there? Sure. So folks, if you just tuned in, you are listening to Simply Real Estate, and my guest is Timothy Brown. He is author, owner, and president of Roy Corporation. We're talking about businesses that if you're deciding to sell, you are a uh, a business owner. Some of the things, some of the pitfalls in the actual industry. And, you know, one of the things about Simply Real Estate is that we always get involved sometimes with real estate ownership, but yet there's a business attached to it. And this can be make things a little bit convoluted when you try to sell sell. So when we come back, we're going to talk more with Timothy Brown. I'm Todd C. Slater. You're listening to Simply Real Estate. When we come back, we'll have more information on selling a business right here on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Joining me in the studio has been Timothy Brown, president of Roy Corporation. We're talking about selling businesses and analyzing a little bit of it as well. Tim is a author of the book, Profitable Practice. And Tim, we've been talking a lot uh, so far about, you know, who is the buyer, why the motivation for, for actually selling your business. A lot of times it's connected with real estate. We were just recently talking about, you know, the buyer being the actual uh, children of the owner, perhaps, or grandchildren or some kind of family affiliation. But who's the next buyer? So assuming the kids don't
1: buy it, and there was a pretty large failure rate there, as we mentioned earlier. So now what most business owners will do is they will turn to their management team. They will first probably turn to their senior managers, depending on the size of the business. There could be three, five, ten people in senior executive roles that may have expressed interest in the past about buying the business. So now the owner says, well, the kids are out, so I'm going to go to my management team. And The management team usually forms a little study group amongst them where three or five of them will get together and have meetings and say the owner has expressed an interest in selling. Why don't we get together and buy the business from them? Um, The problem that typically arises at that stage is that the management team feels as though they've contributed to the growth of the business. So whatever valuation the owner has obtained for the company from an independent third party such as a chartered business valuator, the management team usually argues that You know, we want a little bit of a deal. We helped you build the business. Some owners are okay with that. Some owners feel a little accidentally insulted by that. The second problem is that some of these senior managers, while very capable, uh, excellent at their jobs, they've completed their task for the owners for years to run the business effectively, they can't agree on a partnership structure. Now you have 3 to 5 people in a room with 3 to 5 lawyers, 3 to 5 accountants, 3 to 5 spouses who effectively have to come to some sort of partnership agreement on how to buy the business. Should you get 20% Todd? Should I get 30%? Can you raise the money? Can I raise the money? So now you have a multitude of decision makers with a multitude of advisors surrounding them and it's hard for them to come to terms and quite often they fail because they simply can't either raise the money They can't agree on a price with the owner or they just can't come to terms on how they're going to structure it because now those three to five managers have to appoint a new chief executive officer who's going to become the president. If you've been a vice president for 20 years, do you want to be a shareholder and stay a vice president for the next 20 years? You can see that there might be a little bit of ego play in there. So the senior management is usually the second choice for the owner, but there's a failure right there because of egos, emotions, financing and structure.
0: Okay, so then if we're going to look at, you know, all the options, what what is really, who is the next buyer and, and what is the potential? Because folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Timothy Brown, president of Roy Corporation, uh, author of Profitable Practice, and, um, you know, he's been in the brokerage business for over 30 years now. And so one of the things that we're looking at is we're trying to get a breakdown of if you're going to sell a business... And, you know, sometimes it's with or without real estate attached to it. Who makes the best buyer? And, Tim, so who does make the best
1: buyer? Well, we've talked about kids and the failure rate. We've talked about management and the failure rates there. So the third choice that the business owner usually considers is a direct competitor, someone who does exactly what they do. Maybe they're collegial, maybe they've known each other for years. Maybe they have some issues between them. They fight for business every day, they compete, they trade clients back and forth. One could be doing better than the other. But they know my business. If I'm selling it, my direct competitor does what I do. They understand my inventory. They probably know something about my pricing because you know customers trade pricing secrets back and forth amongst suppliers. So I, I think that you know my competitor Bob down the road. We've had some issues over the years but he should probably be a good buyer for my business. He could double his business overnight. He knows all about it. We have some customers we share in common, but I don't want him to know anything about my business.
0: Well, you know, this is this is where confidentiality agreements come in. But one one of the things, you know, that that we've obviously been able to watch is the fact that we, we watch businesses sell and we've seen a lot of, you know, the big corporations, you know, gobbling up the smaller corporations, as you said, in the same, you know, business ilk. So, you know, you know, we're, we're watching major restaurant chains being bought up by bigger chains and things like that. So it makes sense. Buy your competitor. but. You know, in Canada, and and I'm going to use Canada as the marketplace here, in real estate, we've seen an average growth basically, you know, in the Toronto market of 10% for the last 10 years, every single year easily. You know, we can track it. You know, overall growth in Canada has been phenomenal. But when we take a look at businesses, have we seen the same increase? So if we just take kind of the status quo, good businesses, are businesses going up at the same rate as real estate or... Has there been some stagnated growth? And, and I know I'm asking for generality. We can take, you know, talk about, let's say, you know, industry, more of the, the health profession that you're in. Right. But we've seen some incredible growth there as well, have we not?
1: Sure. And the healthcare segments, the growth rate has been phenomenal because of entry rates of new professionals and the exit rates of retiring uh, professionals are low. So that's driving values up. Many healthcare practices have doubled in the last five to seven years. But the general business marketplace... So let's classify the general marketplace for this discussion as small businesses, and we're going to say that a small business generates a million or or less a year in revenue. They're not experiencing the same kind of overall phenomenal growth rate that is driven by supply and demand because there's hundreds of thousands of small personal service, hands-on, what we traditionally people call the mom-and-pop business. Um, If they're growing the business, and more importantly, they're growing the bottom line, sure, they're probably experiencing some value growth. But overall, the demand is there. Uh, there are many people emigrating to Canada from across the world, and there's some immigration encouragement that if you buy a business and maintain employment or hire new employees, you can kind of fast-track your way into Canada as a new Canadian immigrant. So there is demand for these businesses. But the value growth is really
0: limited to bottom-line growth. So, okay, so then, you know, I, I I was actually kind of setting up for this because I want I want to help our listeners out. And one of the things that I I would come up with would be the fact that we should probably encourage people that are buying businesses to actually turn around. And if they are if the business is renting their location and they have the ability to buy that location, that way they're both tenant and landlord. Is that good
1: advice? Absolutely. You're effectively diversifying your portfolio as well, which is what all the financial experts tell us to do, is don't have all your investments or your eggs in the one basket. So if you have a business, and whether you're planning to sell it or not, a business is a great asset, but it may be your only asset outside of your home. So if the small business owner the medium-sized business owner has the ability to acquire the real estate they're presently in, or... If a suitable facility or property nearby comes available that the business should fit into or perhaps provide for expansion. Many businesses are growing and they do need room for expansion. They grow out of their existing suite. If you can buy your real estate and become the captain of your ship and control the landlord-tenant relationship by being your landlord to your business, which I know that you are, Todd, and I am as well, by all means, business owners of Canada small, medium or large, if you can own your real estate and not be subject to the terms and conditions of today's landlords, buy your real estate. It's a long-term play, yep. it'll bring you peace of mind and will distinctly help you control your exit plan because now you're not subject to a landlord's approval of you being able to transition
0: your premise lease and your business to a third party. Yeah, you see, I know I do know under with with what the business model that you work with, a lot of these professionals, they will be the tenant for, let's say anywhere from 10, fifteen to 25, thirty years. And quite frankly, the landlord should be sending them on a trip when they finally sell their business. It's the other way around. The landlord will send them on a trip, all right. That'll be a trip to the lawyer's
1: office to argue, why can't I transition my business to a perfectly good buyer? Because the landlord has some absurd rules that are either in the lease or they have requests
0: that can prevent a business from being sold. See, folks, and and I'm going to ask Tim more about that um, in our next segment. Uh, If you are buying a business that has currently got a lease in place and you want to assume the lease, we're going to talk more about that when we return. But you are listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. My guest is Timothy Brown, and we are talking about businesses, selling businesses, and the involvement of real estate in these businesses. And by the way, when we take a look at the market right now, we also see that there is a growing need for For medical buildings. Right now, there was a study released this past week that is telling us that there is an increased need for more and more development of medical buildings. So much now that the REITs, the real estate investment trusts, are starting to use this as an avenue for investment for a long-term model. I'm Todd C. Slater. You're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. My guest joining me is Timothy Brown. When we come back, we're going to talk more with him. And remember, if you want to uh, reach out to the Simple Investor, you can reach me at thesimpleinvestor.com and we'll talk more about our upcoming seminar. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. I'm Todd C. Slater. You're tuned into Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. My guest this hour has been Timothy Brown. Author, president of Roy Corporation, and just a great guy. You know, Tim. Thanks for joining me today. It's thanks. been it's been great. You know, because I hope that our listeners, you know, folks, if you want to know um, what you're what you're dealing with here at the other end of the microphone, uh, Tim has been actually working in this industry for over thirty years pretty much the same amount of time that I've been in real estate and contracting. So the two of us collectively, you know, we've got over 60 years of experience just sitting here in front of two microphones. And Tim, we were talking earlier about, you know, the reason for people to turn around and, you know, buy a business, how you buy a business, who, who's the best, uh, you know, buyer, of course. But then, you know, looking at it, there are people that will buy businesses that are currently have a lease situation. What are some of the things that people should watch out for?
1: Okay, so the traditional premise lease from any landlord in Canada has a term attached to it, 5 years, 10 years, and quite often the existing business owner will renew that time and time again. So now the business owner says, it's time for me to sell the business. One of the first things the business valuator will do, which we do in every one of our files, and charter business evaluators do this as well, is they look at the remaining term of the existing lease, any existing rights of renewal that are in that lease, which quite often, once you renew your lease, the right to renewal clause evaporates. So there are business owners out there today in Canada who've been in their premises for 10 or 15 years or more, and they're oblivious to the fact that they have no further rights to renew. And they say, well, I've been here 15 years, why wouldn't the landlord give the next guy another 10 or 15 years on the term? And landlords might say, well, it's interesting you should ask. We've decided to redevelop this property, and we're not renewing the leases in the next two to three years. Well, how does that affect the value of a business? So if it's a location-based business with a long-term clientele, and that business has to pack up and move on short notice, how do you think a buyer and the buyer's banker and the buyer's accountant view that? They see cost of moving, risk of losing business, a cost of building a new facility for whatever the business does. They usually upgrade the equipment when, if you have to move anyways. So if your business does not have proper renewals in place and your landlord will
0: not extend them to you, the value of your business is going down. So if we're looking at somebody putting an offer in on a business, of course, um, if, if this has not been provided to them, should a buyer put in a condition that they're able to get an approval from the landlord to renew a lease? Absolutely. And the large majority of business offers are, first of all, conditional
1: on the landlord approving the new tenant because landlords have that right. They have to check the creditworthiness of the new tenant, make sure that they're going to be as successful in paying the rent as the previous. All landlords enjoy the right to approve the transition or the assignment of the lease. And if anybody out there has a premise lease with their business today, you you pull that lease and you look for the assignment clause. And the key word you're looking for, words you're looking for in that clause is landlord shall not unreasonably withhold consent not unreasonably withhold consent. You want to
0: find that. If you don't find that, you may have a problem. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned assignment clause because that's one of the things I talk a lot about here on the show. When people are buying brand new properties, that they should have an assignment clause in their agreement of purchase and sale. So in this case, in the agreement of lease, you want to make sure you see the same thing. Absolutely. That there's an assignment clause so somebody can actually come in and be assigned the lease as the structure that it is already in place. Absolutely.
1: If I can buy your business, but I can't stay in the
0: space, obviously I can't buy
1: the business. And if I don't have renewals long-term, I have to move sooner or later... And my bank might not want to finance the sale, knowing I have to incur a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar
0: moving cost in two years. Well, you also could be renegotiating with a landlord that believes they have you over the barrel at this point, because now te- technically you do. So you can get an aggressive landlord that will sit there and say, "Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to be increasing your rent because we're going to start off right out of the gate, brand new, and this is what we believe it should be." So I guess in 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 the situation of people, you know, again, assuming leases, they've got to make sure that there's a long term projection for themselves, so they know what
1: their costs are. Absolutely. And I can assure you that landlords are aggressive at a time like this because they're in control. They own the space. They control the space to a large extent, even though you have the right to rent your space. I've seen landlords scuttle deals and business owners be unable to sell their business, be forced to continue working in a business they don't wish to anymore, or be forced to relocate a considerable expense, which may or may not be recovered when the business is eventually sold in the new
0: location. Wow. You know- Tim, that's some great information because, you know, I think that a lot of people, they go into certain things blindly, you know, they get all excited about the business, they look at the numbers, but yet they don't always look all the way behind the curtains and something like this could be devastating to a business. I think
1: that all business owners in Canada that have the opportunity to acquire and control their own real estate should seriously consider doing so for the long term. You may sell your business in five years, but you could own that real estate for another 25 years.
0: So speaking of real estate ownership, um, joining me is Timothy Brown. He is president of Roy Corporation, author... Broker and he is a real estate investor. And Tim, you know, we we've talked a lot about businesses and how people need to look at it. You know, different ways of buyers' motivation. You know, right down to their leases. But one of the things that uh, I think that I would like to be able to tell our listeners is also you are a simple investor. Uh, And how long have you been uh, investing with the Simple Investor? I've been investing in real estate most of my life. But Todd, I've been a client of
1: your firm for almost ten years now. And Part of the reason that I'm buying real estate and having it managed by the Simple Investor is that it's secure. I believe in real estate in Canada. Uh, I don't want to be a hands-on real estate property manager. I don't have the time for that. I do run my own business. I do want to diversify my portfolio. And in buying real estate with Simple Investor, I have comfort in the properties. I know you're selecting good properties for all of your investors to to purchase into. Uh, You do the management for me and your team. And I've never had a phone call from you people other than, here's your check. Um, I think we put a new fridge in one of my properties about three years ago and I got a memo that says we replaced a fridge for you and it didn't cost you anything because of your vacancy and repair fund. So it's very, very hands off and it's secure because it's Canadian real estate. I know you're picking great properties. It's just, it's very, very easy. It's a slow, steady growth on building generational wealth. I'm not expecting any of these properties to double in value in three to five years. I'm not speculating. I'm investing for income on a hold
0: and wait pattern. Now, one of the things, and and I appreciate you know all your good words, one of the situations that you did find yourself with, um, you'd owned a property for five years roughly. You decided that you were going to move some equity out, so you did sell one of your your investment properties that you know, was with part of the Simple Investor product. And, you know, I think your rate of return, you said, came in at roughly about 25% per year on your actual money invested. On my down payment, right? Yeah, on your down payment. So, you know, if you take a look at five years, you basically 125% of your money and uh, as, a, as a return. Sure, based on the down payment with the mortgage pay down, that the tenant paid, because they paid diligently
1: every month, it was the same tenant for all five years, and it's yep. the same tenant today for the new owner, from what I hear. Right. Um, mortgage pay down, the property did go up a little bit in value, not a lot, but enough that made me happy. Yep. And, you know, using the down payment to calculate my return on investment, it was a very substantial return, I was thrilled with it, and I repositioned that equity into other properties that you're presently making available to me. So. I didn't cash out and run away with the money and didn't buy a fancy car. It's just being repositioned into other real estate where I believe it's a slightly better
0: opportunity for the next five to 10 years. You know, that's one of the things that uh, obviously our model is based on is properties buying properties. You know, you are living proof of the system that works and and that it's in place. And, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you, you mentioned is that Canadian real estate is very safe. And I think our banking system also in place has made, you know, a lot of strides, making sure that everything is remained stable. You know, um, they expect X number of dollars down. So minimum 20% down in all cases. And for yourself, you know, everybody has their own goals, but you know, you, you know, as you know, with all my investors, we do chat and, you know, I've had a lot of conversations over the years and you have some lofty goals. You want to own a lot of real estate. Do you want to share that with us? Well, I, okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no well, I, I will. and again, I won't put you on the spot where you have to give us an exact number. But the truth is, is that you, you know, you're building a portfolio. So who and why are you building this portfolio? Well, I will answer the question, Todd.
1: I, my goal is to have 100 income-producing properties. Um, and I count an apartment as a property. If it's a house with four apartments in it, I count that as four income-producing properties. But my goal is to have 100, and this is generational wealth for my three grandkids, And it is a long-term play. And I think a lot of people today are speculating on real estate, uh, particularly in this. We're sitting in downtown Toronto as we record this, and I can see condo cranes all around us, and I'm not in this market. I want to make that clear. But that's my personal choice. Others may find it more attractive. To buy an income-producing property and to look out over a 15- to 20-year window where the tenant will pay off the mortgage, I will own the property, There will be management costs associated with somebody managing the property be it you or anybody i have to pay someone unless i do it myself and i choose not to there will be some repairs that are required in every piece of real estate in canada sooner or later something's going to need repair or replacement but when you look out 15 to 20 years and you own those properties and you could take a mortgage on any one of them anytime you could sell them anytime that you want or just hang on to them and allow the income to subsidize either my retirement or to educate my grandchildren, or to maybe help them to become business and real estate investors. If you have long-term vision and generational wealth, certainly real estate, I think, is the best investment in the world today. I believe Canada is undervalued as real estate goes. That's my personal viewpoint on our real estate market. And with the help of Simple Investor, it really just makes it very easy for people to just be patient, to sit tight, and
0: grow your wealth. Excellent. Tim, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, folks, uh, Timothy Brown is a wonderful uh, business person. He is president of Roy Corporation. Tim, thanks so much for joining us here in the studio. Folks, um, you know, I asked, uh, I asked him to be a guest because, quite frankly, he's very knowledgeable um, on businesses. And it's so important that people understand that if you're going to own businesses or if you're going to be buying a business with leases in place, you need to know what is going to happen. And so it's so important. By the way, um, you know what? If you want more information about the Simple Investor, you can go to www.thesimpleinvestor.com. Listen, I'm always open for a conversation. You can always pick up the phone. You can call me at 905 812 2524 or again, email us at thesimpleinvestor.com. We've got lots to talk about when we talk about real estate. And by the way, next week, I'm going to be live again taking everybody's calls instead of having guests. We're going to take your calls. If you you are a first-time homebuyer, I want you to call in and tell us your story or if you're having any issues of trying to buy a property. So, I'm Todd C. Slater. Thanks to my guest, Timothy Brown. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010, and we'll talk to you next week.